Welcome back to Building Your Wealth Muscle. On this episode, it's another solo episode that we dive into the potentially obscure topic of financial planning. Like, what is financial planning since it's sort of hard to articulate and hard to see? Like, what are you paying for and why do you need it? Um, So we talk about what is financial planning, the difference between a financial planner and an investment advisor, And then we go through the five steps of financial planning to see how it could potentially benefit for you. So I hope you really enjoy this episode and have a great day. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer. The topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this this new podcast format where a lot of the episodes are more a deep dive into financial and tax strategy versus some of the other episodes where it's uh, with a guest teaching you about areas that either one, something they've accomplished that's that's interesting or areas of expertise that I cannot share with you, like whether that's legal um, or marketing, things like that, that that's their area of expertise and not mine. So hopefully that's helpful, but Today, we're going to dive into really the beginning or the basics, like what is financial planning? And I feel like especially this younger generation, like younger, I guess I was going to say younger millennials, but probably even younger than that, like people around college age, I don't think they have the same exposure to the financial industry that my generation had and those before it, where the commercials all the time were... (laughs) Like, you know, all the big companies, I'm not going to call anyone out, but all the big companies, they advertise a lot. So you ask the the general person, do I need a financial advisor? And it was similar to, in my opinion, like an accountant. Everyone knows, at least nowadays, you need to do your taxes. So you need an accountant. Obviously, the people use TurboTax, things like that. But a lot of people are like, all right, I need to get an accountant. When I graduated college, there was a general understanding you should get a financial advisor. And I think that's getting lost. And that's okay because realistically, a lot of those quote unquote financial advisors that the big companies promote, they're really just investment advisors. So let's take a second to delineate that a little bit. And an investment advisor, in at least in my opinion, and I'm sure you'll you'll get a completely different one if you talk to one, but they're hyper-focused on the investment side. And I'll tell you from my perspective, because I came up that track. My first job in finance was right off of Wall Street, and that was all we could offer people. No matter what their financial situation was, we had one investment strategy to offer them. So we do our, I guess you should say, we could say you could do our best at trying to fit that. But the reality is when you are in the sales world of finance, or, I mean, this is applicable to anything, but you have one one strategy to sell. So I'll talk ag- against this all day long because all you have is a hammer. So guess what? Every client, you try your best to figure out if they're a nail or 
depending on your lack of ethics, maybe you force everyone to be a nail. But that's typically what ends up happening when you go to the bigger firms. You're getting investment advice. So that's not necessarily a bad thing for everybody. There's a there's a purpose to that. Where it gets predatorial is when maybe they're pushing you into things that have high fees, potentially lockup periods, not even suitable for you. There's basically you know, the fiduciary standard, which I have as an independent registered investment advisory firm, as also the fiduciary standard I carry with being a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. That's the fiduciary standard. That's the highest standard. Some of the investment advisors, they have a suitability standard. I don't do a good job of articulating the difference, but the best way I've heard it described in our industry is like a men's suit. And the difference they, they say is basically suitability means the suit has to fit you. And fiduciary means you actually have to look good in it. So basically it has to be tailored, custom, makes you look great versus, I don't know if you've ever gone to men's warehouse. There's, those suits are pretty, pretty standard looking. So especially anyone listening to this, who's pretty much uh, athletic built, those suits aren't really fit for that. Not saying I am, but I did have one of the people mention to me once that if you're more broad shouldered with a tiny waist, uh, it takes a tremendous amount of tailoring to get those suits to fit you. That's totally off topic, but unfortunately we're probably not editing that out, but there's little, little helpful hint in case you were hoping to get some unhelpful fashion advice. But anyway, so that's, that's the challenge I think with the, with this generation is that we're not necessarily getting told what is the financial advice I should be seeking? There's obviously a lot of people asking for tax advice because that's mandated by the government to get that figured out. In my personal journey, when I graduated college, I started a, a an event planning business. Usually, a, it was a beer pong business. At the time, I had a CPA and I had a financial advisor because, again, like I knew, and my parents encouraged me, like, hey, like if go go hire professionals to help you with the areas that you don't know. So I was like, perfect. I thought I was doing a smart thing. Neither of them specialized in helping business owners. So I take a lot of ownership for that because I didn't bring my business problems to them, nor did they ever ask about them. That that wasn't their area of expertise. So, and so I'll say I worked with somebody from one of the big firms to start with later transition to someone much better and actually a, a good friend before I, this is all before I was in finance. So I needed the help. I didn't understand, but more importantly, I didn't know what questions to ask. So again, like when my first financial advisor out of college, I mean, he pushed me into like crappy insurance things and stuff like that, that I didn't need that paid him handsomely. I'm sure. Well, handsomely relatively because at the time what he could get out of me, that was the most lucrative strategy for him you know, being someone right out of college with very little to offer an investment advisor. But I tell you, say that to say, there's a difference in our industry between the big firms that give investment advice where it's like, hey, give me your money and I'll help you grow it versus the people who are looking at your entire financial life and trying to help you achieve your goals. That's what financial planning is, the, the latter. And it's very similar to what you guys do with your clients when they need a transformation, you're in there with the full array of health advice. That's the workouts. That's the, uh, the meals, 
but you're also probably bringing in specialists. Maybe someone, something gets hurt or tweaked. You're bringing in maybe a physical therapist or a chiropractor, whatever it is. But you are basically running the show and looking at their entire holistic life. I mean, some of you are also looking at lab work and things like that. So you're really doing a deep dive from their health perspective. I know you're not doctors, but you're you're sort of quarterbacking the actual implementation of a healthy transformation. Another analogy for people that have clients that are doing contest uh, competitions and you're doing contest prep for them. Same thing, like you might bring in a specialist to help with posing. Like you're doing a lot of the meal prep and exercises. Again, as their body needs work, you might be bringing in therapists and things like that to work out the muscles and again, posing, things like that. So you could be easily quarterbacking the entire show, but there's other specialists that come in and they play a critical role. Again, that's what that's what financial planning is. But like I say, comprehensive financial planning. You're trying to get someone to an outcome and trans potentially transforming their finances depending on where they're starting. But as you're running the show, there's things going on with taxes, legal. And again, like bringing up, like they might want a specific investment strategy where you need a specialist. Maybe it is someone who does something on Wall Street that we need. Maybe it's something somebody does with real estate that you need, whatever it is. But a financial planner is impactful because they're looking at your entire financial life and helping you get to those goals. So that's, that's basically the analogy that I wanted to get out there, but let's break it down like step-by-step. What does that really mean? Like, what are you actually getting when you get financial planning? Because the one thing that I I would want to educate you on is there's a few analogies I'll use here, but the process of planning versus doing a financial plan is likely going to yield very different results. And that would be similar to when someone comes to you and says, look, I can't afford your, your one-on-one service or your, your ongoing services. So just build me a plan. And so you do. And so you just, you get all their goals, all their information, you know, you do a thorough deep dive and then you give them their workout, you give them their, their macros, like their whole system. And you tell them exactly what to do. And then they're on their way. There's no check-ins. There's no, there's nothing like you're not implementing. You're just building that roadmap for them and saying, good luck, go. Now you can all reflect back to yourselves. Like what are those transformations like compared to the clients you're working on? The analogy that I like to use is like, for those that remember MapQuest, you know, before you left somewhere, you printed out all your, your mapping notes. Problem is if you made one wrong turn or there was a construction or something for the most part, the the remainder of those instructions become unhelpful versus like comparing MapQuest to ways where you get off track for whatever reason it recalibrates. That's what also, that's the, the difference of financial plans and financial planning because on someone's road to whatever financial goal it is. And, Typically, the financial goals that people hire a financial professional for have pretty decent time horizon. Could be twenty years, thirty years, fifty years. You know, not not outliving your money could be sixty, seventy years, depending on 
who's listening to this. And all financial plans, again, like similar to what what you probably run into is when you make someone's health and fitness plan from scratch, you get to work and variables will change. You know, maybe for whatever reason they're not, you know, maybe they get hurt doing a certain exercise or maybe there's dietary restrictions that you didn't anticipate. Without those check-ins, there's no way to correct those variables. It's very similar in finance. We're making, when you build a financial plan, you're using a variety of variables that you have no clue. I mean, you're, you're taking a guess. I shouldn't say no clue, but it's the entire thing is an educated guess with dozens, if not hundreds of variables that we don't control. Give you a perfect example that as I'm recording this, most financial advisors and financial planners, I'm going to use those terms fairly interchangeably just because the industry does, but do know at some of those bigger firms, you, you are getting more of an investment person. But I use a financial advisor, financial planner fairly interchangeably versus an investment advisor. So anyway, not to sidetrack, most financial planners, financial advisors, when they're running estimates on inflation, for instance, we're using historic averages. So most people I know, they're going to say, okay, well, let's assume a 2% inflation rate over the next 30 years. So, I mean, if you look at that right now, you'd be like, well, crap, maybe let's make that a 3% interest rate because we're significantly higher than 2% now. And, you know, depending on who you ask, there's no end in sight. So that's one variable where I would imagine most financial plans as of right now did not project this high of an uh, inflation rate. And again, that's just one example, estimating all sorts of things for people. Obviously, we're estimating when you die. You know, we're not, we have no clue. Like, obviously things can happen. You could, you could live to 120. So like in, on every financial plan, it's your date of death. So obviously that's a guess. So these are the things that, that life will throw your way that are going to completely annihilate the plan. So I think the best analogy I heard was like, all financial plans are wrong. It's just a matter of how wrong and what went wrong and recalibrating. So again, that's one of the reasons I highly recommend for anyone who is trying to optimize their finances or wants to achieve a financial goal and they need help that consider the difference between one-time plan and planning because things come up. But let's dive into what financial planning is just so you have an idea, because I believe most people are not sure. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to step back from all the prior tips and strategies we give, because those are all very granular. Like here's a tax tip, here's a retirement planning tip. But for those that might be out there saying, okay, well, I'm building my team of professionals. Like I have my marketing person, I have salespeople, maybe you have an accountant, but what does the financial planner even do for me? Do they are they required in my life? Like you might have a business coach and think that they cover a lot of this. And as we dive into it, I think you'll find most business coaches do not. Now, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them are more on the revenue generating side versus most financial people, at least as I'm going to describe them today. We get to work after the revenue hits the top of the business. Then we can start doing like tax strategies, optimizing profit, things like that, turning your income into assets, stuff like that. But typically most of them are not going to be 
working on the marketing side, like a business coach, maybe that might be their forte. <clears throat> so let's dive in to basically the steps of financial planning. And I did my best to put these in order, but realistically for every person listening there, you're going to have your own order because the same reason, the same way someone like you could say, here's the steps to look like, you know, name your favorite fitness model. Like this is the steps to look like that person. That's going to, the step one is probably going to look different for everybody because one person's coming in maybe really lean and lacking muscle and someone else might be coming in with plenty of muscle, but a lot of body fat, you'd probably start attacking that in different orders. But let me, let me go over the basics so you can understand if you ever sit down with somebody, what they're going to look at in your life and then potentially where they're going to add value to you. So like anything specifically in your business, step one is like, what is your goal? Like, where are you trying to go? And I know that term, like what's your goal in money can be very overwhelming to people. You know, I, I think when it comes to fitness, people have a goal in mind, like, Oh, I want to lose this, or I want to, you know, fit into this. But in finance, sometimes that can be tricky to, well, you know, I want to make a million dollars a year. You know, is that based on anything or is that just something you, you completely pulled out? So it's our job to help you articulate what you want to do with that goal. One thing, and you, a lot of people listening are fairly young. You are, potentially unaware. I know a lot of people talk about it more now, but retirement is something you should consider retiring to something because you'll find, again, that's why people say, oh, I want to be retired at, let's say, age 60. Um, working with someone like myself or any trained financial planner, hopefully they're starting the, the conversation like, well, what are you going to do with that time so that you're retiring to something? And also that helps you get an idea of like what your goals should be. You know, we're going to retire to something philanthropic. Maybe your maybe your plan the whole way is is building some sort of charitable organization, or something like that. But so you're going to pick a goal, like anything else. Where are we trying to go? Where's the ultimate transformation trying to take us in ten years, twenty years, fifty years? And obviously, doing our best to make those like smart goals so that we can chart our progress. So that's basically where are you trying to go? Step two, where are we now? Analyze your current situation. So this is this is the part that can be very overwhelming for people because if you're working with a certified financial planner, again, this is where I really want to differentiate between the financial planners and the investment advisors because the investment advisors really just need to know your cash flow. So they can know how much you can, they can start asking you to send them on a monthly or quarterly or annualized basis so they can invest it. Whereas when you're dealing with a certified financial planner, they are literally looking at your entire financial life. Anything that costs money or stresses you about money, they need to know about it. So we're going to dive into a little more of the details, but it's, I mean, it's everything from how much money you're making. What do you, so let's talk about the first part. It's cash flow. It's planning that cash flow, organizing it and budgeting. Now, as you're listening to this, your cash flow planning is more complex because you're a fitness entrepreneur, you're a business owner. It's much different than maybe your friends who have like, just for simplicity, I make $10,000 a month, W2 salary. A lot easier for them to do their cash flow and organizing and budgeting because 
for the most part, it doesn't change every month. Obviously, they can get bonuses and raises and things like that. But for the most part, their income stays consistent. Yours doesn't. You're a business owner. So that's a big part of it, organizing that cash flow. Because we need to know, again, it's whether we dive into the business or not, but you need to know when all that revenue is coming in, where does it end up in your business life? Where does it end up as it trickles out of the business into your personal life? What are your obligations on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis? We organize all that. Then we're basically building a, a net worth statement. What do you own and what do you owe? So we're putting all the assets and income together. So we get a full picture of where you are. Like what are your dependents? Like what do you what do you owe on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis? Do you have debts out there? And what assets do you already have? Do you already have retirement assets, inheritances, vehicles, homes, all of it? We want to to know everything that's happening in your entire life because the very next part, at least in my opinion, the next part is risk planning. So we want to know as we're starting to build a bridge to your future financial goals, what the hell is going to derail us? That's what we want to know. So we can try to plan for it. You can't take risk to zero, but you can plan for it. You know, now we know how much money you make and how much money you need. So now we can start building emergency funds. You know, if the next time they unleash a pandemic on us, or if the economy hits what is a normal recession and maybe clients start drying up for you, maybe you get sick and you can't work. God forbid something traumatic happens to you and you can't go to work. You, where does that money come from? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have disability insurance? Is that good enough? And we, now we start looking at all the insurances who's financially depending on you. Okay. Do you have life insurance? You have a home. What is, what happens if you have a fire or whatever, like looking at all the things that could erode your wealth, the assets you have, what would happen if you get sued or one of your creditors comes after you because you defaulted on something like we're starting to look at all the things in your life. And again, I, I can't emphasize enough the word all, like, even though that's simple enough, you're going to get from a qualified financial planner, a really deep dive into everything. Because if they're doing their job right, they're trying their best to predict the things that could really mess up as you start building wealth. Because again, building wealth is, well, I should say again, I'm just saying it's the first time here, but I've said it a lot on my other social medias, but Building wealth is sexy because you love people like, you know, going online, like just use celebrities as an example, when I'm cashing money, looking at their, their cars and even though cars are not assets for the most part, their homes, all the cool things, all the cool toys that could be considered assets. That's pretty cool. You don't see too many celebrities like talking about their, I don't their asset protection strategies, essentially. I don't want to start giving out legal advice, but those sorts of things are not sexy. You know, they're not talking about their insurance policies and like how their auto insurance deductible went up because now they did extra medical coverage, you know, whatever. It's a stupid example, but you get the idea. We have to plan for the, for the risks because as you start building your wealth, you have to protect it as well. Not sexy, but it has to be done or should be done, you know, you can do whatever you want. Like there's a lot of insurance policies that we recommend to people. 
And they're like, nah, I'm not worried about it for whatever reason. That's cool. We just need to come up with an idea and a strategy and go with it. And I'll give you another example, just because we're on the topic of risks and insurance. There's one of the more predatory insurance policies, which is long-term care. It pays a lot. They're super expensive. Um, and it's sort of hard to make a good argument all the time for when someone needs it or doesn't need it. With a lot of my clients, the strategy is not necessarily to use the insurance, but to self-fund. So again, like I'm not getting into what that is and all those strategies, but what I'm saying is you have to do your best to find the risks in your life, or that's what they'll help you with if you hire somebody and then come up with a strategy for it. Again, like we can say, Hey, this is a fairly expensive insurance policy. You know, your life insurance, for instance, maybe you're, you've been a smoker your whole life and an insurance company would say, well, your coverage would be really high. So maybe say, it doesn't make sense for me to do it. What's plan B? Like, how do we protect ourselves from that risk in a different way? So again, it's not, it's not cookie cutter stuff. And that's if they're good at their job, they're going to look at all these different vantage points for you. And again, this is where you're bringing in experts because most financial planners, they're not experts in everything. They should be able to quarterback this process. But like we talked about, like we're talking about risk, protecting assets. I'm not a lawyer. I have to bring in a lawyer. I cannot give legal advice, but I am trained to recognize when a lawyer is necessary. I can ask the right question saying, hey, let's look up the state you're in. If you got sued, could you protect the equity in your home? And we can look up the answer, yes or no. But if they're like, no, we didn't do X, Y, or Z in the state, but I know I can do it. Let's call a lawyer and get it done. Like here in Nevada, there's a form you need to fill out to protect the equity in your home. If something happens and you get sued, I can't do that. I'm not a lawyer, but I know it can be done. And I know to ask that question so that we get it done. So, and that could be, in my opinion, very helpful because there's a lot of things in your business and personal life that keep you occupied. You may not know to start asking these questions and say, hey, like I would have thought asset protection strategies are people that are worth $10 million or $20 million, not the simple piece of paper you have to fill out in your particular state to get, I think it's like 500 grand or something of protection in Nevada, something like that. But again, it's, it's filling out a piece of paper as, as, but again, I'm not a lawyer. I can't do that for you. But so that's, so that's a, when we're at the boring phase of risk planning. Because no one's excited for these conversations. We're talking about, because you hire a financial person, like, hey, I want to start turning my money into assets. That's cool. Like, that's what people will get excited for. And one of the first checkpoints in the meeting is, well, let's talk about all the things that could make your life financially worse. And let's talk about ways to conquer those more often than not by adding expenses to your life. Like we might be adding insurance policies or paying lawyers to build things for you that protect the equity in your home or whatever the case may be. So again, we're not necessarily starting off with like this sexy stuff. Like, hey, you know, if, if your cash flow is, I'm just using round numbers of 10,000, that's your profit that you plan to invest. And then step one of the process is like, well, here's a thousand dollars worth of new expenses. That might feel discouraging, but again, that's what. That's what you're hiring somebody for. And I, hopefully you're hiring them in a capacity where they do not only profit from your relationship if you say yes to buying those products. You know, hopefully your advice for them, they're compensated fairly 
whether you buy those or not. So your advice can be less biased because unfortunately the insurance world, very predatory, very high commissions. It's important to know that. Same with annuities, bash those people for a little bit because I do not like annuities. I've had to rescue a few clients from the, some crappy annuities. There's strategies for for some people that you can rescue them out of a crappy one. But So that's a side note, but if you ever have a question about annuity, please DM me uh, at Pat Darby Biz. Uh, I'll give you the straight facts on those. All right, so that was basically the third phase. So we started off with our goals, and then number two was looking at your entire current situation from top to bottom, left to right, where you are, what you own, where your money's going, what you owe. Then the third, we looked at the risks in your life. Again, top to bottom, coming up with strategies. And like we said, you don't have to tackle all the risks in your life right away because again, some of them are expenses. Some of them might not be that big of a deal if you're starting out and you don't have a lot of assets. So then the fourth phase is where there's a little more sizzle. It's allocating the money. We're buying assets. We're investing, putting money back into the business. Like we know at this point what what type of profits you have, and this is also where all the things we're doing with asset purchases, investing back in the business, overviewing all of the money that you have in your life now. Through again, this is I'll say this. This is for me. I have a lot of tax expertise, so all of this is through the lens of tax efficiency. We're doing heavy tax planning because it's not just what you buy, it's where you buy it. Because you know, we'll use crypto as an example because everyone's familiar with how it's it can really move, for lack of a better term. So if you bought $100,000 worth of crypto and it goes to a million dollars, well, we can all agree that's amazing. No matter where you buy it, that's awesome. But if you bought that in an account that's fully taxable, that's completely different level of excitement versus if you put that post-tax in like a Roth IRA, for instance, and now you have a million dollars that you'll never pay a penny of taxes on. Totally different levels of enthusiasm. But again, this is where I also have negative, negative things to say, for lack of a better term, about investment advisors, because they could offer you the world's greatest investment, but they're not looking at your life. Like I've seen people come up with ways for you to make money that have no, they might be a great investment for me, but a horrible one for you is what I'm trying to get at for a number of reasons. It could be risk. It could be your comfort zone because it could be your time horizon. You know, like there's a lot of private equity deals out there that would be amazing for some people. Whereas I'll, I'll give you an anecdote of something that happened to uh, somebody I know. Basically, they were, this is a hypothetical story. They were older and their investment advisor rolled damn near all their money into a real estate investment trust. If you're familiar with those, they come with lockups. There's liquidity issues. You can't access your money. This person wasn't very young. This is when I was fairly new in my career when I saw this. And he basically was asking me, like, how do I access my money? It took a decent amount of time. Fortunately, this person, this was not the only money they had in their life. So they were able to wait it out. But again, that has nothing to do with the investment itself because the investment itself could perform great. 
But if your question was, how do I get to my money? Then that's a really shitty investment for you. And an investment advisor may not care or ask those questions. So again, like if you're sitting down with someone and they say, Hey, I want, I want a good investment and access to my money. That's an important component, the access to their money. Whereas an investment advisor, they focus on, Oh, it doesn't matter. You give me a, a hundred grand and this investment is going to take it to 200 grand. Now, obviously they're not going to guarantee it, but you get the idea. That's not helpful to some people if they need access to it in a shorter time period. So that's, that's one of the things it's important to bring that up about the, the world of investment advisors and why you should potentially be cautious because they can be phenomenal if you know what you want. And I'll give you another example here. And this is what this is what screwed me up when I had a financial advisor back when I was like 22, I believe, my first financial advisor, who was not my friend. I trusted my friend, and he actually helped me unwind some of the crappy stuff I was sold. But when I was – the issue is I didn't know what questions to ask. So you might go to an insurance expert and say, I need life insurance. They're going to start – going down the road of selling you an insurance policy. You sit down with someone like myself or any objective financial planner and you say, I need to buy insurance, life insurance. They're going to start the process of why. What do you think, like, what do you need it for? What are you doing? What's the problem? And you could, you know, hypothetically, you'd be like, well, I can't sleep at night. I want to make sure my kids are paid for, you know, God forbid something happens to me. Okay, cool. Now there's a scenario where life insurance is the answer and we go down that road. Scenario B, we run the numbers of what their, their assets are worth, what the cash flow is from all their assets, what this is worth, you know, whatever the case may be. And there's a scenario where you say, Hey, good news. Even if something God forbid happened to you with all these assets and this income stream and this and that, your kids would be more than fine for, let's just say, 20 years. Like that would put them through college. Then they'll be adults and blah, blah, blah. That could happen and you could have just saved yourself the requirement of an insurance policy because you didn't know what questions to ask. Your real question was, how do I sleep at night so my kids are cared for? But you started the conversation with, I was told I need life insurance. So that's one of the reasons, again, I think that it's helpful to have someone quarterbacking the process because they're looking at all the moving pieces. And again, I told you in the beginning of this podcast, I started in the world of investment advice. So I only was given a hammer. So I had to make everything a nail. And I hated that because I would have clients come to me. This is one of the reasons I pivoted my career to holistic financial planning. And then obviously went even further and then started doing it just for fitness entrepreneurs and also adding in the business side, because again, the step two, when we're looking at where's all the money coming from, all of that money is coming from an asset that if we're not looking at it, we can't optimize. But anyway, that's, but what I'm saying is I would have clients come to me asking investment questions that had more money than they'll ever spend. And so it would drive me nuts because like, you're asking the wrong question. Like, you don't need to know all the bells and whistles of this particular investment. Like one, one comes to mind where 
really they needed to start talking about running the numbers on how to transition the business to the kids and how to get all the assets. It was really, they needed estate planning, like death planning. Like they needed to know how the business goes to the kids, how the net worth and the income and all the assets will be okay for the kids. So in his mind, he came to me saying, this, this asset needs to do better for me. Like I need to, let's talk all about it. But really what was keeping him up at night had nothing to do with that asset. It was how do I get my money and all my success to my kids? And when you're just an investment advisor, that is not a conversation in your tool belt. So it was driving me nuts that that's really wasn't not the advice I was able to help people with. And at the time that was not my area of expertise. So I was like very underqualified to walk him through that process. So that's the challenge that I think a lot of people run into is they're asking the, the professionals in their life, essentially the wrong question because they don't know any better. You know, like they haven't been trained. Like I know you guys are, are doing this. Most of you that people are coming to you with all this fitness advice and health advice. Like what, what should I eat and what should I do when I'm traveling? And then, and a lot of you told me this and my clients have told me this, you're, you're all, maybe I shouldn't say all, but a lot of you are now quote unquote force feeding the mindset into people because that's really helping people on the long term. They're not necessarily asking that question like, hey, help me with my mindset, but you've articulated through your experience that it's maybe a toxic mindset that's really keeping them up at night or in this like financially keeping them up at night or health-wise giving them setbacks. That was that was where I feel like maybe a better analogy should have started with is that you know the investment advice only versus financial planning is you might be asking the wrong questions because that's just top of your mind. Like all you're thinking of is like, how do I keep this weight off, you know, for the vacation I have versus how do you turn this into a lifestyle where you always keep your health within a tighter, uh, bound. So that's, so that's really number. I feel like I went on a tangent again there, but that was essentially the fourth step of the financial planning. We know where all the money is. Now we're allocating it. We're buying investments, assets, and you know, increasing the value of business, business, investing there as well, all through an extensive tax efficiency lens, extensive tax planning. I can't emphasize that enough because you are business owners. If you are creative, there are legal ways to make a lot of your life a legal tax deduction. And again, it's not just what you buy, it's where you buy it that can make all the difference. There's a lot of tax efficient vehicles like retirement plans, stuff like that. That was the last couple episodes talking about, you know, you can get pretty creative with, with retirement planning as well. Real estate, crypto, small business purchases, pretty exciting stuff. If you, well, exciting for nerds like me, but, but if it's not exciting to you, but you want to do it, you can obviously hire experts like, like myself. And then the last phase of financial planning is optimizing all of it. And see, this is where I think some people, um, you know, in your fitness journey or your, your fitness clients, you might see this as a mixed bag, like people graduate away versus the people that stay with you for a long period of time. But in the world of finance, uh, the, the level of attrition, you know, people stay with us for a decent amount of time because once we've done everything, like we've looked at your entire life, 
built the plan, come up with strategies like where are we going to spend all the money? Life is going to continue to throw things at you. So it's a continuous process of reviewing things. Like every year I review my, or I should say, I invite my clients to review all of their, their risks again, because things change as I'm recording this inflation's through the roof. So the replacement value on people's homes is through the roof. Did your, did your homeowner's insurance policy keep up with that? Yes or no. Let's review it. I bring in experts to help review that because I cannot be an expert on home insurance policies and everything else at the same time. So as things, and not to mention your, your goals will change. You know, you might be like, Hey, I really want to help my kid save for college. And then bam, your kid gets a full ride. So you're like, okay, well, what do we do with this money? You know, things change for the better. And God forbid, unfortunately, things change for the worse. Health conditions come up, injuries, you know, maybe you have to take care of a, an older parent. And that was a, a financial wrench that got thrown into things. So like we talked about in the beginning with, you know, the difference between map quest and ways, once we've got the plan, now we're always optimizing and tweaking and adjusting it. Like I think the other analogies people use like a flight path, you know, once you take off from LA to Miami, there's constant small corrections Otherwise, that plane would probably land in New York City or something like that if it was on autopilot the entire way. And so that's what we're doing. And, you know, we're changing the strategy, coming up with things for, you know, again, like inflation where it is now. Maybe we have to change some things. As you're building your net worth, the asset protection strategies change because now you maybe own an asset in real estate that you didn't own before. Okay, let's protect that now. You get to a certain point. Now you maybe have kids. All right, well, now we have to do estate planning and death planning and things like that. Even if you're young, like we want to start protecting, God forbid, your kids are young. How do we get every, make sure everything goes to them? Like there's complexities in your life. You get married, you get divorced, you know, kids come into your life. Like all of these things change the plan. And so that's why we're always going through and looking at everything again. And again, this is one of the reasons, one of the many that I keep shitting on the investment advisory world because they're not looking at this stuff. They're not saying, okay, well, this just came up in your life. Let's relook at everything. They're just saying, okay, well, no, your investment's still on track. And you say, cool. You know, all right, so I just keep sending in $10,000 a month. Yeah, okay. But they have not taken into consideration that your estate plan has completely changed because of marriage, divorce. You know, I've... Seen a lot of the stuff like not maybe you're uh, disinheriting a family member, you know, things like that. It's there's a, a lot of things that are constantly going to be changing for you. So I hope this has been pretty helpful for you guys just to understand. You know, obviously, it took me like 40 minutes to say it, but the world of financial planning can be very opaque because we're selling something that's invisible. Like, what do I get? Like, why do I pay financial? But this is really what it is. And, and I hope that was helpful. I mean, use obviously a handful of analogies, hopefully one or two were helpful, but I would just, in general, obviously I would love for anyone to reach out to me that, and let me help you out. But when you're considering getting financial advice, I would really recommend two things. One, I would make sure that they are 
independently giving you advice. They're not working for an insurance agency or even like the the broker dealers. Like you want them to be a fiduciary. I'm a certified financial planner, so I'm biased towards that because they, we, we have the highest fiduciary standard, meaning we have to do what's in your best interest legally. Like a fiduciary standard is a legal requirement. I'm biased for that. But you want that independent advice. Like you want someone who is consulting you, not saying, well, this is the financial product you have to use because that's the firm I work for. Obviously, they're not going to say that, but like that's sort of on you to determine. And the second part, and again, I'm I'm biased because this is me, but there's also it's not a coincidence that this is me because everyone that I looked up to and admired in the industry had these this the second skill set, and I made sure I did too, which is tax expertise. Because in your life, you're not going to have a greater expense in taxes. So the most you can do to reduce that is just pure profit. That's just money you keep or your family keeps as you transition to them in your passing. So it's arguably the most important part. So I would make sure that you're working with someone who has that level of expertise. And again, this is this maybe shameless plug for my firm, but this is one of the reasons that I feel so strongly about looking and having oversight in both your business life, your business finances, and your personal life, your personal finances. Because having a blinder on one versus the other is why I got such crummy advice from my CPA and my financial advisor when I first started out and I had a side business. Because they were only looking at half my life. They were, And granted, I was not asking them to look at my business life, but nor did they offer and nor would I... Well, the one guy, he definitely did not have the expertise. He was he was too busy selling me crappy whole life policies I didn't need. But there was nobody that was able to identify blind spots that I didn't even know existed. Because, again, they're the experts, but they were only laser focused on one aspect of my life. So I would highly recommend any entrepreneur make sure your team is talking to each other. Like if you have someone who's helping you with your finances and you have a business coach that's helping you with sales and marketing, make sure there's some oversight that they can sort of see what each other are doing. If you have an accountant and they're not looking at your business or someone looking at your business that, that is giving other guidance to your financial advisor or God forbid, if they are an investment advisor, because you're going to have to make decisions on how you spend that money, like the profit coming out, like what's going to go back into the business, what's going to go back into your personal assets. That's the decision that you're going to have to make that's going to be based on your goals. So I don't like having people on your team that they're not looking at the overall picture. They're just laser focused on one aspect for themselves. Because again, that's where I feel like the the knock could be also on the investment advisors because they could just say, okay, well, it looks like you're making $10,000 a month in profit. So my strategy is you invest $10,000 a month in this investment that I sell. And if your goal is to build a business that potentially runs without you as the, you know, you could be the CEO and it's not dependent on you, like quote unquote, a true business that could be in conflict with your goals because you may not be growing the value of your business if you're pulling every spare dollar out and buying personal assets. If you want to do that, that's awesome. Like there's nothing wrong with that. This per- these 
both scenarios are personal preference. But if if you are not in a capacity where you're talking to people openly about everything that's happening in your entire financial life, which again, business and personal, then you might be getting advice that even if it's well-intentioned, it could be contrary to your overall goals of your business working for you and vice versa. So I hope this has been really helpful. As always, you can DM me on Instagram at Pat Darby Biz, uh, or you can email me info at DarbyBA.com. I'm happy to talk to you guys, give you a little more insight, jump on a call with me if you like. But as always, hope you enjoyed this episode. You guys have a great day and continue to build your wealth muscle. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, DarbyBA.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.